Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. My guest today is my good friend, Jeremy Quarles. Jeremy is a phenomenal musician, audio engineer, and tour manager based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He has mixed front of house and monitors for multiple touring artists, played keys for others, and has been the road manager for some of the biggest names in Christian music. Currently, Jeremy serves as the road manager for Grammy and Dove Award winning artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. I hope you enjoy part one of our conversation today. All right. Well, we are here with my good friend, Mr. Jeremy Quarles. Hello. Hey. It's good to see you. Good to see you. So you and I met five or six years ago, I think. Yeah, about. Um, go to church together at Fellowship Bible Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of the people that that I interview, <laughs> we actually kind of all go to church together. Have fellowship connections. Yeah, and that's how that's how we met because we all, we all came to Nashville to pursue music as a living in, in different ways. And, you know, when we land at a church together and we end up serving together on a worship team and getting to know each other and you find out oh this is what I do actually do for a living or I do this or that and they're all sort of music related and then you just build uh, friendships and relationships with people and get to know each other and then you know I kind of go my way and do my thing and then you go do yours but then we come back every week and we're always together serving together uh, in those capacities and it's cool to see the, the things that we've done. And so I think that's been really fun for me is initially met. I think we played together the first time we met. Probably. Uh, Cause yeah. you play keys Yep. and um, are extremely good at it. And uh, we've served together because I lead worship. And so I know you've, we've played together. You've played with me um, a few times doing that. And then we've served playing together for uh, on teams for other people as well. So, uh, so that's cool. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, of course. Sharing, Thanks for having me. Sharing your expertise in what you do. And so just to kind of give a quick brief uh, intro on in what you do. So you're a keyboard player, for one. Uh, but you also do road managing or tour managing for different artists as well. And you're an audio engineer. I know you've worked front of house and monitors uh, on different tours and yep. things like that. So starting out let's back up to when you were a wee little child yeah (laughs) starting out and wanting to get into music what was the thing that got you into music to begin with well i started taking piano lessons when i was really really young when i was four is when i started taking Ah, piano you're the only other person i know of that started lessons at four years old i started guitar when i was four yeah and you're the only person i met since then and so so, i mean so as you know when you're four you're not you're just kind of like love everything so um 
my parents encouraged me to do it and I got into it and just kind of stuck with it. And that's kind of where my music background came from. It, it was classical training, classically trained um, all through my childhood years. And uh, I started branching out and playing worship music um, when I was in middle school and would play at church and in youth group and in, you know, big church, quote unquote. Right. Um, and played with some worship bands and started doing less classical and more more worship music um, that way. And that's that's where that love came from. Was just it's been always been a part of my life. So when you started out taking lessons, is that something that you were wanting to do, or did your parents say we want you to do this, and then it just it sort of fell into place, or what was? You know, honestly, I don't remember. Don't remember. I don't ever remember fighting it. Like, yeah. I mean, nobody likes to practice when they're four, but sure. I don't remember being forced to do that. Right. I was, it was probably something that I was interested in, and they were like, "Well, why don't you give it a shot?" And I just, and I really enjoyed it. Right. So when I started guitar, I was at four years old. Um, I remember when I was a baby or a toddler, I was dragging my dad's electric guitar, old electric guitar, around the house in my diapers. <laughs> That's amazing. So there's information that everybody may or may not want to know about, but uh, I was dragging this guitar around, and so I always, ever since I could hold one, I always had a guitar in my hand. And I don't remember begging my parents for lessons, but they tell me that I was always like, I want to take guitar lessons, I want to take guitar lessons. And they finally went and... Um, and took me to a store called Chapman Music yep. in Paducah, Kentucky, Paducah, where I'm from. Kentucky. And so this is, and we'll get into this conversation further down down the road here, but it just is just a, a neat connection for us to have is that the man who taught me, his name, his name is Herb Chapman, and he was my guitar teacher for like 14 years, and I ended up working for him for years, and he's a father figure to me as well. And he ends up being the father of a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman, who you work for now. Yep, <laughs> so, that is my boss. Yeah, and so I think that's a another neat thing because Stephen is a good friend of mine, and we've known each other for years and years. And so that's just another cool way of, of connecting, you know, especially being in Nashville. You have to be, I say this all the time, you have to be in a music city a big mecca, either be Nashville or New York or LA or Chicago, one of these places that where music is based out of in order to really make a good living at it for the, for the most part. Um, and so when we get, get down here and you get to know each other and build relationships with people and all of a sudden you find out, Oh wait, you work for the guy that I grew up around or listening to, or his dad taught me or whatever it is. It's just this, it's just fun. It's just a small world. The music community yeah. is very, very small. There's always a, a lot of different connections and you're like, Oh, you know, him and yeah. grew up. I grew up with him, and yeah. we've played together before. Or whatever, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. I've talked with, about this with other guests that it really comes down to relationships, yeah. more than talent. Even it really comes down to building relationships with people, earning trust with people, and and serving others. And then when that opportunity will arise, that you may not even be aware of, and you might say, "Hey, man, I need. We're looking for someone to do this. I know you do this. You're really good at it." And uh, we have a, a solid relationship already as it is. So why don't you come in and do this or see if you can do this as opposed to taking some cold call or cold email from somebody that, you know, you don't know, haven't got a clue and they live off in some faraway state Yep. that you're like, you know, how am I supposed to help do, do this with this person? This person's right here and I trust them. 
you know, a lot of it comes down to that. So, yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit. I know you, you're from Atlanta. Correct. And you moved to Nashville to go to college at Belmont. Yep. So tell me about a little bit about your experience at Belmont and how that led you into some of your first gigs, paying gigs that you, that you had from that. Sure. So when I went to school at Belmont, I actually didn't get into the music program, which is funny. I had, um, I had sports, I played baseball, I had sports scholarship offers to other schools, I had music scholarship offers to other schools, and I had nothing at Belmont, and so I went to Belmont, <laughs> and um, because I just, I thought that was the right, the right place to be, and so um, I re-auditioned for the music program after my fresh, or during my freshman year, got in as a, as a classical piano minor. At the same time, I had started out in a music business degree, was my major, and decided that I did not like business classes, which is ironic now because I really wish that I had had business classes. <laughs> because but, now you do that. Right, because now I'm in the business. But back then I was like, business is boring. I don't want to do that. So I switched to audio engineering. So a lot of change in my first year of school here. Um, but I ended up uh, majoring in audio engineering and then minoring in in classical piano, which along with minoring in any music goes just a lot of music theory and kind of just an overall, you know, music education. Mm -hmm. And so when I was probably a junior and senior year of, of college, I started thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people are doing the studio things and doing studio work is really fun. Recording albums is great. Um, home studios are continuing to become a major player in the game and there are just a lot of people doing this what is going to separate me from all of these other people all my other classmates that are honestly more talented than i am and definitely care a lot more than i do because i've never been a gearhead or anything like a lot of um, audio engineers are and studio engineers especially who have to have the exact right compressor and the exact right you know whatever um, which is why those guys get paid a lot of money to do that and so I gravitated towards live sound which is is similar in a lot of ways uh, but is, is a totally different ball game and there's a lot less people trying to get into that and so I don't know if that was me trying to take the easy route or me just saying you know this is kind of where I see my career going and, and I you know love live music you know being a musician and playing that you know live music is is kind of the thing and so i started reaching out to companies uh, in town that did live audio and ended up getting a meeting at a place called spectrum sound here in mm -hmm. uh, nashville and started working for them just part-time while i was in school i would travel on the weekends when i could and they had gigs but a lot of time uh, i spent just in the office in the warehouse prepping gear learning about um you know what gear they had and what they were sending out on shows how to prep for tours how to prep for shows and really just learning what the live concert industry was and so that's how that's what got me started uh, in college was working with spectrum sound okay so when you applied for spectrum sound or reached out to them 
what qualifications did you have to have for them to hire you? Or did you have to have any, if it's like an entry level job, hey, you're gonna work in the warehouse, I mean, let's just give you a shot, or did you have to know some stuff to get into that? Well, kind of two, it's kind of a two part answer. First part of the answer was I, were, I offered to work for free okay. just to learn okay. uh, for a time until they were like, you're actually working too much to work for free, we should pay you. Okay. Secondly, uh, I did have a connection with them. A guy from my church at home was actually related to one of the guys that worked there. And um, when I was kind of on the lookout for people to, to talk with, he was like, hey, you should, you should talk to, I believe it was his cousin. He was like, hey, my cousin ha- you know, works at a company up here. You should uh, talk to him just about, you know, this is what you're wanting to do. You should get together and, and see just if he has any advice or whatever. And well, it ended up being the owner of the company. And oh, so that's good. Right. Which helped. And so I, I, I met up with him and was, and just said, Hey, you know, I'll come work. I just want to learn what you guys are doing. I want to see what this industry is like. And then, uh, it ended up that I did a few in town shows and, and was hanging out in the warehouse and they were like, well, why don't we just bring you on as a contract worker? You can come in and do, you know, when we have specific things that we need, then you can come in and we'll pay you. And I was like, sweet, that's way better than working for free. And that's kind of where it started. So when you're out playing those first few shows or helping out with the first few shows, what are you doing at the show? Sure. So to begin with, uh, I was mostly, I don't even know how far down the rung, you know, down the ladder I was, but whatever audio position it was, I was at the bottom. So it was a lot of being the muscle part, you know, loading and unloading, but then also just a lot of low level audio, lower level audio engineer uh, jobs are more about the organization. So it's not as much about uh, even the mixing or the, or, you know, what I was thinking of. It's like making sure that the right cables are plugged into the right place. And like, how is this, how is this instrument how is that signal getting to all the consoles and that sort of thing? And so it takes a lot of organization. It takes a lot of forethought and it takes a lot of knowing how the whole system works, but that's why it's more of the entry level is because you're having to learn how everything works Mm -hmm. and getting that general overview of how the system works before you get into specializing into one thing. So were you doing that uh, free when you're those first couple of shows were you doing some of those for free or by that time had you already come on and getting paid at that point I might have done an event or two for free just to, just to like hang out and kind of see what what everybody was doing yeah. and and uh, that sort of thing but pretty early on I started you know yeah they started paying me again as a contract worker 1099 worker where um, when they had specific events that they needed me to go to, right. then um, they would let me know, and I would come in, prep for the event, get everything ready, and then go out with the gear and execute the show. Which leads into another thing of being a contract worker uh, for for listeners trying to figure out, you know, that are wanting to maybe do audio engineering or or whatever on a road crew, uh, anything musically related. If you can be a contract worker, that's great because that allows you when you're not working on a particular show or a tour or whatever, then that frees you up to go do other stuff, other, sure. other interests that you're trying to pursue. Um, and you're not tied down necessarily to one particular company or, or job. It definitely has its advantages as disadvantages sure. as well. Cause you're not getting health benefits. Yeah. You don't have a, um, you don't have a minimum salary. So your budgeting is kind of up in the air as to, well, I don't yeah. really know how much I'm going to make this month because who knows if shows are going to pop up or if I'm going to have shows or whatever. So, um, 
being a contract worker definitely brings its challenges, but it also does afford the flexibility to say, well, if Spectrum doesn't have anything going at the moment, then I can maybe go work for this band that I met because they have a couple shows that they asked me to come out on or, or whatever else you may be doing if you're producing some stuff on the side or, or whatever. It sure. affords that flexibility. So uh, how long did you work for Spectrum Sound? Ooh. Roughly. Roughly. Uh, probably close to six years. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, from okay. the time when I started in college. Okay. So it overlapped uh, a year, year and a half of college. And then it, uh, I would say at least for another five, yeah. Okay, and that whole time you're out and you're doing, you, you worked your way up from just unloading and loading trucks and kind of learning the ropes to, to actually running sound for, for shows? Yep, yeah, so it, it kind of happens fairly quickly as long as you pick up on it because there's always a lot of work, and especially at that time in Nashville, there was, Spectrum was growing a lot, and if you, were, if you were working there, you were out doing shows just because they had a lot of business coming in. And so I was learning very quickly. Uh, I was doing all sorts of different jobs from the patch where you're kind of coordinating all, you know, all the inputs and outputs to system tuning where I, I would hang the PA and, and tune it for the front of house engineers coming in, whether the band was bringing somebody in or whether it was somebody else from Spectrum. Um, that was mixing or whatever. I, I got a few mixing gigs where maybe uh, one of their big festivals every year was Riverbend Festival in Chattanooga. Yep. And the first year that I did it, I was kind of the, the stage tech where I would help the guy that was mixing. Uh, and then a year or two into it, took over the stage and started mixing, uh, which was doing monitors and front of house from the same board, from behind the stage, actually, which is not Running the, front of house from behind the stage? Yeah, which is not the ideal setup. No, and I've done it on a very smaller smaller scale, not not at festivals or things like that, but, yeah, it's an odd yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, a lot of mixing on headphones and being like, well, hopefully that sounds right. the same in the headphones <laughs> as it does out there, and people aren't covering their ears from what I can see, so yeah. hopefully that's okay. So, anyway, yeah, just kind of kind of worked the way up and just did whatever, you know, Spectrum needed me to do where, wherever that was. And I was making connections along the way with the, the tours and the bands that we were working with. One of my first tour was uh, rock and worship road show. Oh yeah. Um, Mercy me was on it. Jeremy camp. Uh, a lot of the big name Christian artists were, were there. And when you're on a tour day in, day out for however many months it is, you just kind of get to know people and uh, make those connections. And it's not even, you're not doing it to make connections, but those people just are always, in, you're always in each other's mind when things come up in the future. And that's yeah. the music industry is just a small, it's really a small pocket of people. And you just, you, you meet those people and they're around, you know? And plus you're getting to spend, like you said, day in and day out with, with people. Yep. And so when you're around them and the, you're with them more not doing music, Right. Then you are with them doing music. And so as you're building friendships with people and hanging out and just knowing, again, like we talked about earlier, that just knowing people and being able to have a relationship with someone and a friendship, that goes a long, long way so that when things come up, it's like, hey, I'm going to reach out to Jeremy because, one, he's a good friend. He's easy to hang out with. He knows what he's doing. He knows the job. And that's just it just makes sense. Yeah. You know. So that's cool. Is that what led you into working with some of those artists outside of that particular tour? Yeah, I think that was my first kind of exposure to the artist world. And I, I did want to be specifically in Christian music because 
Um, that's just important to me, and I love doing music where there is more meaning behind what you know people are doing. And so, it it did get me thinking about about maybe working for artists uh, at a later date. Uh, but I, I stuck with that was pretty early on in my time with Spectrum, and okay. I was there for for quite a while before I started really branching off and doing my own thing. Okay, and so about what point did you branch off to start doing your own thing? This is running sound for artists individually? Sure, yep. So probably, I don't remember the exact timing, maybe three or four years after I graduated. Again, I'm not a tech guy, Mm -hmm. and when you work at a sound company, the people that are really, really into it and do really, really well are very, very gear oriented which is great and we need those people to make your concert sound awesome but it just wasn't me i wasn't passionate about it but uh, i had a friend who worked for an artist um, ask me hey i can't do these dates with this artist i run front of house and and road manage uh, would you be able to fill in for me i think you would be a good fit for these couple shows and i was like sure i, I haven't done that before but i was already kind of thinking You know, I I would like to get away from more of the technical side and get more into the personal side, working with artists and that sort of thing. And maybe one day even work in artist management uh, and get off the road. And so I thought that was a perfect opportunity to at least give it a try and see how it went. And uh, I did. It went well. I really enjoyed it. And that's really what kind of turned my thinking to, you know, I I should start to kind of market myself and let people know like, hey, I'd be really interested in, in road managing. And in Christian music, a lot of people do multiple jobs on the road. Like you might have a guitar tech, merch person, stage manager, that's all one person. Or you might have a very common one as a front of house engineer that's also your road manager. Right. And so I was like, well, I already have the, you know, the audio engineering side. I have that background. Uh, Why don't I just add the road managing to the resume and tell people that I would like to start doing that, maybe get in with some artists and uh, start doing that. That's cool. So who was your first artist to road manage? So that first gig that I filled in on was for Christy Knuckles. Okay. And the first gig that I took where I was front of house and road manager all on my own was uh, Francesca Battistelli. And I, I did her Christmas tour. I don't remember what year. And then shortly after that, um, she wanted to where, and and we can talk more about this with my my current role too, but there are some artists where the pull on the artist really necessitates having the production role and the tour manager role separate. And so she was at that point where she wanted those roles to to be separated out so that the tour manager could focus on what she needed and where she was being pulled daily and then the production guy can focus just on the production because at that level both are very intense jobs and so after the christmas tour she brought in uh someone just to road manage and i stayed on the production side which was which was fun now so i was production managing and running front of house so basically taking care of all the everything production related went through me and then so explain what being a production manager is because somebody listening says i i want to get into production managing well that's different from road managing right and it's different from artist managing so what is a production manager responsible for uh everything that is production related to the tour or to the concert so 
that means basically audio, lighting, and video would run f through me. Okay. And so I would work on that with artist management to say, okay, well, what do you guys want on this tour? What kind of elements do we need? Uh, all of the positions that are in charge of, you know, the lighting director, the video director, other audio crew, all would answer to the production manager. He's He is in charge of making the production happen. So you design like the lighting and all that kind of stuff as well? I would work with management to do that. I, I wouldn't personally do that, yeah. but if management was like, hey, we want to have a killer light show on this tour, then I would go to you know, lighting vendors or, or lighting guys that I know and say, hey, what can we do here? Let's hire you to come out on this tour. You can do the design, that sort of thing. Okay. So how did you get that gig with, with Francesca? Like what? Because you're, okay, so you've been doing audio production for people, and then you got into tour managing, which led into this other stuff. But as far as like when you, as a tour manager, how did you get with Francesca to begin with? You know, that's a good question. I don't 100% remember exactly the steps that led up to that. But I'm, at that point, I was still a production guy that could also road manage, kind of like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. I was adding road managing to my skill set. And so... I got in with Francesca on the production side. That was kind of the strong suit of where I was. They really hired me on that Christmas tour to be in charge of production, but but I was also saying like, I can road manage. This is something that I want to get into. And so they were like, okay, well you can road manage this tour. And okay. so that's really where it, where it began was on the production side. And then uh, as I continued to work with her on the production side, um, I continued to want to get away from the production side and, and really focus on road managing. And so really, really with her and, and the artists kind of leading up to her, I was always a production guy that could road manage. And as I was working for her, I realized that I want to be a road manager that can also do production. Okay. And so just shifting your focus exactly. more heavily on the road managing yep. as opposed to production. Exactly. Yeah. And so whenever whenever my time with Franny came to a close, I was at a point where I just said, okay, well, where do I go from here? I know I had been thinking these thoughts, like production is, production is great, it's what I know, but the road managing is where I want to head. So I need to really start letting people know and marketing myself as at least a 50-50 production road manager type guy, which means I need to turn down some work that people are asking me to do because it's not where I want to head going forward. Okay. Well, that's always a great thing to hear when you when someone has to turn down work, <laughs> especially well, in music, because it's like, you know, most of us are like, take everything you can get. Anything that comes your way, you go for it. So right. to be in a position to say, you know, I need to not do something so I can focus on something else as a unique position. Well, it's, to be a, in. it's unique, but it's also very scary because it's not like I had tons and tons of work pouring in. It's just like, this is what you get known for. But if it's not what you want to be doing, then you get into a rut where yeah. that's the only thing that you're known for. And that's the only thing that you do. You have to be able to say no to things that aren't going to put you where you want to go in the future in order to get to where you want to go in the future. Because if you don't, you won't have time to do the things that sure. are going to propel you forward. Right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Jeremy, learning more about audio engineering, front of house and monitors. 
Be sure to come back on the next episode for part two of my conversation with Jeremy as we learn more about the road managing aspect of the music business. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, or FaceTime. Be sure to contact me and let me know how I can help you make a living in the music industry.